Hello, and welcome to the very first episode of Expertise is Overrated, the podcast that takes the time to answer the questions you didn't know you didn't want the answers to. I'm Sean. And I'm Vib, and neither of us has any clue what we're talking about. Let's get to it. In this episode, we'll be discussing the top 10 most powerful characters in the Dresden Files. Now, I've got my list ready. Have you got yours? I do indeed. Right, so without further ado, let's get to it. Who's sitting at your number 10 spot? My number 10 is probably a bit of a surprise, um, to be perfectly honest, but it's Leah, or the Lenanchi, uh, I guess, is how you pronounce that. Oh yeah, so that's another point that we should caveat in every episode, and we'll do going forward. Neither of us can pronounce anything for shit. Absolutely right. <laughs> I'm basing all of it on, on how James Master says it, to be perfectly honest. It's as good a guess as any. So you've got Leah. Uh, number 10, I have one eye. One eye. Specifically one eye. Specifically one eye, yes. Interesting. Not... There's a reason for that. Well, it's, it's interesting because my number nine is Odin. Uh, specifically Odin. Interesting. Specifically Odin. <laughs> my number nine is Dracul. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, at number eight, who have you got? Number eight, I've got Nemesis. Nemesis, uh, so do I. Although I've actually added the other outsiders, and probably what I mean by that is is the uh, the walkers specifically. So those who walk behind, beside, and before, and anywhere else, <laughs> above, below, inside. <laughs> oh, that's oh, not good. That's not good. No. <laughs> <laughs> number um, seven. Number seven. I have the queens of fairy. Oh, that's that is bold. Mab and or Titania. Okay, okay, the queens. I've got Alfred, a.k.a. Demon Reach, in at number seven. So, that's the first objectively wrong entry that we have, but good. That gives it, us indeed indeed it about. is. The queen's number seven. You're absolutely mental. <laughs> um, uh, who's your number six, then? My number six is Ferrovax. The guy who breaks reality. The guy who breaks it. reality, like virtually everyone else on this list. It's like you haven't read the books. My number six is Hades. The guy who is so powerful he can't even enter reality. Good. I mean, if we're just going to start making things up, who's your number five? <laughs> My number five are indeed the Queens of Fairy. Okay, so at least they made your list because I was starting of to get a bit they've worried. Made my, list. my number five is Ethnew. I mean, that's the objectively so very wrong, but okay. Right, your... so our top four. Top four. My... This is where it gets fun and interesting. It, it, it does, because I, I suspect, at least I hope very much, that um, we're sort of in agreement here. Uh, at number four for me are the Angels, and I've included the Fallen, although there is a caveat to that, which we can discuss later. You better believe we're going to discuss your caveat, <laughs> because it's going to need to be good. Uh, number four, I have uh, Mr. Pharaoh, Pharaoh Vax. Okay, well, you are an idiot. Fine. Um, who have you got at number three? Uh, number three, I have the angels. Uh, that okay. is the the angels of the Almighty, not the fallen. And I guess that's that's a, that's a discussion point that we'll park for now. Same difference, but okay. Uh, I I have actually got Hades at number three. Okay, okay. I mean, honestly, your your list is starting to confuse me. I was writing it down as we spoke, but um, my hands have stopped working in protest. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's who's your number two then? I imagine it's Mouse. Uh, oh, oh, you're giving the game away there a little bit. Um, no, number two can only be, of course, uh, Uriel, and I've actually also included the other arch archangels, um, and I'm also including Lucifer, just because why not? Okay, that's 
fair. Uh, my number two is the mothers, the mothers of fairy. So mother winter and mother summer. Fair enough. It's interesting that you said that, that, that including Lucifer is fair, but including the fallen in with the angels is not. Well, obviously. So, you know, that's there's nothing that. if not inconsistent. Anyway, number one, who have you got? The I most can powerful pretty much being, guess. <laughs> the most powerful being we've seen in the Dresden Files to date. I have Uriel. And I have Mouse No, of course. No, I've got the mothers the mothers of Fairy, Mother Winter, Mother Summer. Number one for me. Fair enough. Fair enough. Although I I will say it it probably is quite close between them and, and old Uriel, old Mr. Sunshine. Yeah. But um there we have it. Two top tens, somewhat similar. Just to run through those again then, so in the number 10 spot, I have One Eye. Number 9, Dracul. Number 8, Nemesis. Number 7 is the Queens of Fairy, Mab and Titania. Number 6 is Hades. Number 5 is Ethnew. Number 4 is Ferravax. Number 3 is the Angels of the Almighty. Number 2 is the Mothers. And number 1 is Yoriel. And that is a list indeed worthy of expertise is overrated. Um, you know, it's, it's sort of it's an amateur would make of uh, would make up even. So for me, my list at number ten we have Leah. At number nine we have Odin. At eight we have Nemesis slash the Walkers. At number seven we have Alfred, aka Demon Reach. At number six we have Pharaoh. At number five we have the Queens of Fairy. And number four we have the Angels and the Fallen. Number three we have Hades. Two have Uriel and his Archangel colleagues. And at number one we have the Mothers. And there we have a list proving that you don't need to have read the source material to participate in Expertise is Overrated. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Right, so I guess there's a few discussion points there. A few things that jump out to me that that we have agreed on. Uh, They are few and far between. So we've both ranked the queens and the mothers, and indeed angels, as so equivalent as to not be worth splitting out. Uh, Yes, we have. well, I think it's it's a no-brainer when it comes to the mothers and the queens because they are repeatedly said to be opposing equal forces. Um, so I think that that's totally totally fair, um, and they, they sort of can't exist without the other. You are absolutely right. The um, the queens in particular, and I think we can extrapolate that to the mothers, are are described as as opposing sides of the same coin. Um, I think the author uh, has at times said that. In, in discussing who could take Mab, that Titania could, but it would be almost literally a coin flip. So I think I think that split is is fair. On angels, the reason I did it, the reason I, I put them as a category is one, I couldn't remember remember the name of the the angels that we've met, other than <laughs> uh, and I couldn't be bothered to look it up. But also, I think we're we're talking there about a category of being, and the individual beings don't matter. One thing that I do want to to pick up on, though, is your grouping of the angels and the fallen together. Yes, yes, and I think that there will be a theme in in with the, this argument. Okay, well, why don't why don't you make your case? Yes, so I think we only really see the fallen as uh, as they are currently you know the the order of the blackened denarius i.e. confined within the coins confined essentially to the mortal realm and and sort of you know leeching off of mortals um and in so doing i think they give up a lot of their potential power now that is not to say that if they were to return to say the never never or some other higher plane of existence 
that they would not be as equal or as powerful as the angels themselves. I'm claiming that. I don't know if that's true. I have absolutely no expertise on the matter, as you might imagine. <laughs> but I'm just saying that if Anduril were to be fully unleashed, um, he would not be able to be taken down by an angel. Okay. Um, it's, it's an interesting argument. In so far that angels are fall, in so far that angels are forces of nature, if we can call them that, I think the fallen are that too. Okay, they they just choose to to reside in slightly different ways. So where where I where I personally think you're falling down is on the, the precise nature of the fallen. So my understanding, having read none of the Bible, is that uh, angels fell when they chose to exercise free will. It's a, it's a necessary component of the being of the fallen that they have a d- increased free will as compared with their sort of non-fallen counterparts. As we know, free will is a direct sort of inverse correlation with, with power, as I'm sure we'll come on to when we discuss the, the beings at the top of this list. So in choosing free will and thus falling, I think they've given up what that, that sort of level of power that you're you're alluding to them once having. I, I I don't doubt that in in its heyday, in his heyday, in her heyday, anyone know? Anyone care? No. Um <laughs> Anduriel could go toe to toe with just about anything. Um I want to say Anduriel was referred to as a he, but you know <laughs> who really knows? I, it's like giving a mountain a gender. It is a bit, yes. Um, I sort of see where you're coming from, but then the counter-argument to that, in my opinion, would be the angels that reside in the swords of faith. Because they seem to almost be able to exercise some form of free will, although I guess you could always just say it's not free will, it's just whatever the Almighty decides is right or wrong. I guess they're, they're maybe acting as the Almighty in his aspect of judgment. Um, but that is a, a good counterpart, a good counterpoint, uh, to which I sort of have nothing other than angels and swords is silly. <laughs> well, that is an absolutely shit argument. <laughs> uh, um, so, so I, I, I will, yeah, I will, I will concede that I, you know, push comes to shove, the angels, you know, they're a definite force of nature, whereas the fallen would have to prove themselves. Okay, okay. Um, now I think. The, the big one, the big one that surprises me, is that we fully agree on Nemesis, number eight. Yeah. That's... What are you basing that one on? So, uh, Nemesis was a weird one. We don't know yet the degree to which Nemesis can really screw with someone. I mean, obviously, it turned, it took Maeve, uh, who was already, by all accounts, batshit insane, and made her... <laughs> more batshit insane and capable of acting. And indeed Leah, who has made um, the correct top ten list. Uh, and indeed, and indeed uh, Leah. But Nemesis was also beaten somehow by Mab, right? Mab pulled Nemesis out of Leah. We, we're still not entirely sure how. I have a theory on that, and you won't like it, and that's the subject of another episode. Um... Well, I mean, it's a bold claim to say that that Mab did in fact manage that, but yes, let's assume she did. Either that, or she's an idiot and just let Leah run around 
with Nemesis still in it, her. Well, Nemesis might have found a way to hide. Um, maybe Rashid should have a glance a glance at her. <laughs> maybe. Um, but yeah, it was... It, because we don't know whether how far up in sort of terms of power level Nemesis could infect, I, for example, would suggest that Nemesis couldn't infect... Um, well, prior to Battlegrounds, I would have suggested that Nemesis couldn't infect one eye, for example, for a couple of very specific reasons. But the infection of Justine put played to that theory. Um, I don't know. I we've not seen it use real power so much as manipulate the ability yes. of others to use power. I think that's probably my my argument. Yeah, I I, I fully agree. We we've not really seen what something like Nemesis is capable of. That said, you know, I, I have lumped in the other walkers in there. And, of course, Harry Dresden effectively beats one of them in, in the real world when he was still a very young wizard. Did so, he? So, well, or yes. did it let him go? That's that, Well, that's a very big, big, big question, isn't it? Um, if he did, in fact, beat it, then the outsiders aren't all that strong um and we do repeatedly see them get smushed in the the later novels you know they take a lot of firepower to bring down to be fair but they do get smushed i just wonder whether the outsiders as a whole and the walkers perhaps as a subset of that have a too easily available kryptonite right we know we 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 learn in in peace talks uh that starborn are capable of wielding power over outsiders we see that when Harry banishes the corner hounds. Uh, Ebenezer explains it to him. But we also learn that there is a metric boat ton of Starborn lying around, right? You've got Listen, Listens, uh, you've got Dracul, Rashid is almost certainly Starborn, Elaine is almost certainly Starborn. Oh, okay, wow, we are just making it all up then. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> so, you know, on that basis, I think maybe the walkers just have too many too many counters it's it's just too easy to well they have they have one counter just, it just happens that you think that there's lots of those counters out there well at least 3 of those people are confirmed starborn confirmed where in the text listen ah, nonsense confirmed starborn refers to, refers to himself as starborn in battlegrounds elaine is almost certainly a Starborn. We know she shares a birthday, more or less, with Harry, and we know that the birth of Starborn is based on time. Uh, Rashid, as gatekeeper, I'm going to just assert has to be Starborn, because nothing else makes sense. And Dracul, again, refers uh, to himself as collecting Starborn, I postulate, because he is one. Yeah, no, I, I do actually uh, agree with you. Uh, I think Dracul is more or less certainly Starborn, yeah. It'd be very surprising if he if he wasn't. So why isn't he in your list? Well, the real question is, based on all of that, why have you put Nemesis on yours? Because Nemesis caused the war, probably. Yeah, I mean, Harry caused the massive war that lasted for many of the books. Why isn't he on your list? Because ne- because Harry was manipulated by ne- well, technically Bianca was manipulated by Nemesis into putting Harry in a position where he could do nothing but start the war, which uh-huh. then basically fucks up the Red Court to whatever end. No one really knows. That's an episode. Well, an episode. and and of course Mab wanted the war to happen, which is another episode. <laughs> um, fair enough. Yeah. Okay. So Dracul not being on my list, I just I I you know I wasn't that impressed with him. 
I agree. Starborn is obviously one of the elders of the Black Court, if not the elder, um, which automatically makes him super powerful. And in a fight, I think he would be an absolute bitch to take on. But, you know, he 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 doesn't quite beat Harry with enough style for him to warrant Harry being on the list. enough style. He, the man exudes whatever he is, exudes style. He is pure style. He turns up to a war zone in a tuxedo. Yes, and then runs away. Doesn't run away. He, he grabs he grabs a few rear. He, he grabs a few low level wardens and runs away. You did not just call Wild Bill low level. I I did in fact call Wild Bill low level. Um, and Yoshimo. And old Chandler. Well yeah, well there's a whole episode on where's Chandler gone. The, this episode, by the way, dear listener, is nothing more really than sizzle for all the other episodes that we're never oh, going to do. Absolutely, never, <laughs> never. Actually, this is the only episode you'll ever hear, probably, and it might not even be the first one. So, how that's going to work, I don't know. If you're listening to this, you can consider yourself very special indeed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. So, I can concede that you may have a small point on Dracul not winning with quite enough style to make it above Leah. Um, but Ethnew? The thing, okay, the, th- the, thing with, the thing with Dracul, okay, just, just to finish that one off, you know, the, the Black Court have been, to all intents and purposes, eradicated, and he's just sort of been sat there chilling. Now, yeah, sure, maybe he's got a massive master plan, and maybe I will have to eat my words whoa, and put whoa, him whoa, whoa, number whoa. one in uh, a future episode, should we should we ever revisit this. But but so far, I'm just not impressed. Whereas Leah, you know, time and again, she's been impressive. When we see her cut loose, she is unbelievably scary. And, in fact, it is said by Mab herself that she is second only in power to, to, to Mab. So, it, I mean, it depends. I mean, that's second. big. That's very big. But, yes. Of course it depends how second. But, I mean, Mab considers herself to be, you know, a little bit strong. So I think saying that Leah is second only to her, you know, that's that's pretty big. And, and quite honestly, I couldn't think of anyone else uh, who mean, deserved to be on the list above her. Ethnew? The last Titan? Ethnew. Oh, Ethnew, yes. All right, let's have this debate then. Go on. Tell me why Ethnew should be on the list. <laughs> At number five, no less. You're absolutely so, mental. Ethnew. It's the easy, soft choice. Oh, the Titan. Oh, yeah. I'm just waiting for you to say something Go else on. stupid. Ethnew is the single biggest threat we have seen in the Dresden Files thus far. Now, why do I say that? Simple. Look at who all comes to deal with her. This is a being who is so powerful that she pulls out of retirement or whatever the hell it is that the mortals do. Theravax, Etri, One-Eye, Mab, Titania, and the Earl King. Uh, Some of those, Earl King, are absolute chumps. But... (laughs) But you've also got <sighs> both Queens of Fairy. You've got the last vestiges of one of the most powerful beings that's ever existed. Probably, maybe. Who the fuck knows? Um, a being so powerful they cannot exist in the real world. 
and they only just win because Harry Dresden cheats and Marcone picked up an or- a coin. How can you not have her on the list? Because she cheats more than any of them. She wears armor that is impenetrable, except you know by the swords of bloody faith or infernal weaponry. And let's be honest, that's pretty powerful stuff. Um, and she has the Eye of Balor, which is absolutely ludicrous. And not only does she have all that, she spectacularly fails to achieve, well, anything. Um, she, as you say, gets tricked by Dresden and <laughs> Mark Owen. I mean, come on. Um, and yeah, sure, she wins in a fight, but she wins against opponents who physically can't hurt her. And as I've said to you before, um, but obviously our, our listeners don't know that, she just enters the real world with, with no care in the world, quite literally, intent on deleting reality so she can more or less unleash her full self. All the people fighting her are trying pretty much with, I'm going to just put a number out there, 83% of their power to keep reality, you know, real. And of course, we know that Pharaoh is probably sort of on main, let's keep reality existing duty. But, uh, you know, Mab is also there making sure that things don't just, must, you know, end. Uh, and I think that's also true for Titania, who who can't fully unleash herself in the real world because that would be ludicrous. That's also true of the Earl King, and that's also true of old One-Eye slash Odin slash Kringle. And let's be honest, he just wants a bit of a fight because it's, it's what he does. So I, I think Ethnew is massively overrated. She has some, some fun trinkets. Uh, take all that away, and she is not that impressive. Probably 11th. Wow. wow. Probably 11th. I just... It's my... Uh, you know, I'm, I'm standing by it. I think she is an absolute pushover when it comes down to it. Okay. I, I don't think that really we can... She wears armor that is impenetrable. What kind of cheat is that? All three swords are there. Yeah, not one of them actually goes for her. Well, yeah, part of that's because Michael's on retirement and Uriel's not around to lend him his jet engine again. But Uriel's very much around. He bloody speaks to her. And even he can't really be asked to finish the job because he thinks, uh, you know, Harry will take it. Well, that's clearly Gabriel. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's probably Uriel. I, I honestly, I for the second time in this episode, rendered absolutely <laughs> speechless. Well, is, wait, uh, wait until you hear that that Uriel and Gabriel and Michael are all the same thing. Um, but that's a future episode. <laughs> and also heresy. <laughs> They're all okay. just aspects of the same thing. No, but I, I, I get it. Yes, Ethnew, of course, super powerful. But I think you've been misled. She kicks Mab through a wall. She kicks Mab like through a wall. Like she, she sucker punches Mab. Oh no, she sucker punches Mab. Mab should be ready for a fucking sucker punch. Yeah. Did she take it like an absolute champ? Yes, she did. No, she went through three walls. Yeah, and did it hurt her? No. She got it yeah, back up and like went broken. on with business. Uh, no, no. Ethnew is so overrated. Um, and scared of mortals on top of that. But, you know... Uh, you you can have your wrong, wrong opinion. I I don't. I just don't care. 
<laughs> Fifth is is absolutely outrageous. I might concede that putting her above Hades. Hades. Hades is, is iffy. Like talk, talking about Pharaoh breaking reality. Pharaoh is still able to exist on some level in reality. You know, he's seen as a man who smokes. <laughs> not not smoking cigarettes, he just smokes. Um <laughs> just leaks. But he's he's still there. And yes, he says, Oh, I can't show my real self because it would break reality. Whereas Hades, with his crown of fucking Mordite, I think wouldn't even be able to consider going to the real world because it would just break something so fundamental. You have no evidence for this beyond the fact that you really liked the Disney film Hades and thought he was the best character. Oh, the no, he's he's completely misrepresented in that film as well. <laughs> Hades is Hades, right, is by far and away the most likable of the Greek, certainly male gods. Oh, I'm sorry. Was that your daughter that I just kidnapped on my chair? That was not him. Zeus arranged that marriage, and all Hades did was was say, okay, she's your daughter, so I'm going to take that as granted. It's the only pretty much loving relationship we see between an actual married couple in Greek mythology. And, uh, uh, no, I'm not not getting into this with you right now. (laughs) No, that's fair. Um, (laughs) You're an idiot. Hades at number six (laughs) is idiotic. It's, it might actually be the single most idiotic thing that you have on your list. Uh, Hades is at number six. He is the only least... actual god on your list, Look, and you put him at number six. Just let me talk. All right. Okay. <laughs> well, Odin One Eye is a god, but let, let's ignore that for a moment. Um, we never see Hades do anything. He just sits there with his cool little Mordite crown in a little corner of the Never Never, playing with his dog. Now, great. I think that sounds like a fantastic life, and of all the characters in the Dresden file, I'd probably most like to be Hades, because wow, that sounds like great fun. But, he's not, like, I don't even, Nicodemus steals from him, which he wouldn't do if he was that strong that he could delete reality to get his shit back. Well, Hades lets, well, not Nicodemus, Hades lets Harry steal from him. It's quite clear. And you've just said, he all he does is sit down with his Mordite crown. Mordite. He just yeah, chills but... out with Mordite around him because he's that badass. I don't buy it for a second. I think he's. I think he's impressive. Come on, he's above, put him above the queens. Put him above Mab. May, maybe I. I may concede that he should probably be above Ethne. I'll. I'll. I'll, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. But you genuinely think that a mere messenger of the White God of the Almighty of whatever could take an actual god? Is that what you're saying? Angel, angels at three. Yes. Hades at five. On my amended list. I I'm going to say yes. I think that's bold. I think that's bold. It's it's also a real clash of religions there. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, there's some serious theological implications of angels of the the Almighty fighting Hades of the Greek pantheon. But I think that's the that's the point. Hades of the Greek pantheon. Sure, there are some and indeed growing numbers of people who who are sort of reverting back to um, pagan and polytheistic beliefs. But there's about three billion people on the planet who believe in the God of Abraham. Sure, but we we did see Hades does have people in his underworld. 
Um, sure. Those we assume are souls. I, we do, and which, which I, I genuinely assume... sent people say, "Oh, that's the domain of heaven and the Almighty and whatnot." So the fact that but Hades genuinely that has that means he must be on equivalent power levels with the Almighty or, on or some was way. At some point, or was at some point? Yeah, no, I, I grant you that, but I think that that means that you know, push comes to shove, he will mess you up. <laughs> Me, yes, he will mess up an angel as well. <laughs> uh, well, I, it's it's one of those that's probably just an impossibility of physics. Uh, that it's just I, not I a competition suspect. that could ever ever feasibly I, I suspect happen. that's right. I, I suspect they, but that's not fun. It, it isn't, and, and the white god uh, itself, herself, himself, is at this point a little bit of a confusing entity in my mind. Anyways, sure, that feels like a can of worms. It, it, it so does. It so does. So then I guess the last main discrepancy that we've had, and I don't think we've covered this because my short term memory is is awful. Uriel versus the mothers. Here we go. Is that where we're going? I was going. I was going for Alfred. Let's deal with Alfred in a minute because he he is he is a tough one. <laughs> okay, Uriel versus the mothers. Yes. Right. So it's the same argument for me. We've seen Uriel in the real world. Um, we've not seen the mothers because I think they're just too too reality breaking. Now I know what you're going to say. Mother Winter and her little, like, you know, spectre, and she drags Harry, but she's only there for very, very brief moments. It's not fair that you use our prior discussions against me like this. It's entirely fair. You should have not made the mistake of telling me anything. Uh, okay, I've, what's my counterpoint? Why do I think that Uriel is at the top? And why do you think it's specifically Uriel? Uh, that's very simply, he's the only one that we've seen. Um, we've seen the vestiges of Lucifer's power through the, the Hellfire pe- pentagram, but we've never met another arch- archangel. It's as simple as that. I, I suspect that you're probably right. That in well, I, thought, I thought you just said that we've seen Gabriel, essentially. Well, we've heard, heard Gabriel's voice, I suspect, because I, I think Gabriel is the one that Mab refers to as the trumpeter, or the herald. Uh, my memory doesn't quite remind me. But, um, and Michael gave Sanya the sword. And Michael gave Sanya and Sanya's done some amazing things with the sword. Sure, but that's because Sanya's awesome. Um, All I'm we, saying is, you're you're an idiot for thinking that even though we haven't seen the other archangels, that Uriel is somehow more powerful. Oh no, no, no! I don't. I I, I don't. Nah, that's I, I what I'm hearing. That, though. I suspect that when we see them in their in their own particular spheres, they will be of equivalent. Power. I suspect Michael is probably the most martially um, potent th- entity in existence. Um, Gabriel, likewise, probably speaks almost as loquaciously as you do. Almost, certainly, um, yes. But I think the only time you would ever see Michael is if Uriel failed in his job, which is, is unlikely well, to really happen. Well, I think Michael does a different job, right? Uh, Uriel is referred to as uh, the sort of heaven's spy master, right? He's uh, he's sort of like the Rashid of the of the Archangels. Oh, no, there's, um, that, there's a claim. <laughs> uh, Michael, meanwhile, I think is the Ebenezer. Uh, the brute. Well, yeah, the, quite. Uh, but that's what I mean is that Michael would never really have to act if Uriel did his job right. Oh, p- perhaps. I think he he sort of just gets wheeled out for slightly different problems. Um, quite possible. Ones that quite require possible. a hammer rather than a scalpel. Um, but 
as to why he's above the mothers, it's there's probably not much in it. Again, we're probably talking about forces of nature in opposition rather than um, a legitimate sort of combat that is winnable by by either party. But I just I, I think I come back to uh, scale of input power. Right, Uriel is an aspect or an entity or a vessel or whatever it might be of a whatever the Almighty is that's powered by the belief of three billion mortal souls. The mothers are, I don't even know what the last vestiges of the greater part of the power of the Greek goddess of magic. Cool. I mean, yeah, you're strong because you're powered by the fact that we anthropomorphize the seasons, but it's not the same. Yeah, I, I could kind of understand that. I can kind of understand that. What, 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 what I therefore, again, don't understand about your list, and it's it's more or less why my top three is the top three. They are effectively what you might call godlike beings or aspects of gods. And then the next rung down is what you might call demigods, you know, your angels, your queens, your your dragons. As, you know, Jim Butcher explains Pharaoh is a sort of old Asian style semi-divine being that looks like a dragon. Um, oh yeah, he, he's a capital D dragon. He's not a worm. Exactly, exactly. But but that's why I've got the mothers Uriel and Hades, and and I think certainly the mothers and Uriel because because Hades is a bit of a an unknown quantity. They they, they might well be interchangeable in power levels. I, I suspect it sort of comes down to ability to act and no i think we might might be into a, an interesting point because i suspect that the mothers can act more than uriel can oh uriel no see so uh, tightly constrained His seven words i think that's what that's where i come back to uriel is able to it one uriel is capable of rebalancing the scales by uttering seven words um which implies a level of intellectus that we haven't really seen anyone else other than maybe the no i don't think anyone um, show. Uh, I don't... <laughs> but we have it... seen Uriel interfere more than we have the mothers. The the, the unravelling is the only sort of semi-direct action we see. Whereas Uriel does, does feature quite a lot, and he is a meddler. <laughs> he is a meddler. <laughs> Whereas I, I think the mothers... It certainly seems to it seems to be implied that they can't meddle as much. I mean, they they say as much, right? In in Summer Night, for example, that you know they can't directly interfere with what the queens and so on are doing. Um, well, I guess that is partly because the queens are a thing, whereas Uriel is, you know, that's it. <laughs> there's 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 no one who's like more junior in his job. So yeah, Uriel's a sort of weirdly semi-autonomous, but in, totally incapable of acting with power entity. It's an odd one. I think you're right. I think it probably, re- probably relatively interchangeable. I think if you give Uriel the latitude to act, he's probably more powerful, but I don't think there's much in it. No, it would be... I mean, we would never be able to know because reality would be very, very, very dead. Uh, yes. Okay. So, Alfred. <laughs> Alfred is a supremely powerful being. 
if you can get whatever you're fighting to step onto Demon Reach Island. And if you can't, he's fucked. But is there not an argument to be made for that that is essentially the same level of being hamstrung as someone like Uriel? It's just not not that there's a there has to be a divine decree to act, but you have to be in a specific location. It feels to act. different. It feels different to me. It feels like Alfred uh Demon Reach is incredibly powerful in a very specific direction. Whereas I feel like most of the other entities on this list, on either list, are perhaps less linearly powerful, less powerful in that specific direction, but have a far greater breadth of power. Alfred's really great if you want to lock something up and throw away the key. Ah, yes, indeed. Anything else. But this is the point. Could Alfred lock up Uriel? No. But could Uriel avoid being locked up without destroying reality? I don't know. Probably, potentially not. So what's what's your cutoff then for people Alfred, or well, not people, beings Alfred could lock up? Because in your original list, right, we have someone at number five who is beaten effectively is by Alfred. Uh, I think Alfred could take could hold anyone below Ethne in the list. Uh, almost, oh, I mean, almost certainly he could hold Hades because I'm fairly sure that other gods of equivalent stature are down there. We know he could hold one of the queens because Mab is terrified of him. Uh, Nemesis, I assume, but I have no evidence. Well, there are there are outsiders in there, right? Because he locks up Justine. Although I guess uh, no, he doesn't. He locks up Thomas. Uh, Justine escapes. Wow, I need to reread the books. <laughs> uh, what is this, Lord of the Rings? But he, he, I mean, he, he certainly holds off uh, Sharkface, he who come, who walks before. Uh, so I think he could lock up a lock up an outsider. Dracul, I don't think is particularly special, and likewise, One Eye. At this point, I don't think either of those are are escaping if if Alfred wants to lock them up. Go above above Ethnulo, Faravax, Angels, the Mothers, Uriel. I don't know. I don't think so, but I don't have evidence for it. It's just a. Apart I, th- I think that, from I think a narrative that... standpoint, it would be weird for Harry to be that strong this early in the books. E- yes. I think the issue with with locking up something like Uriel or the Mothers is that you you really are just locking up forces of nature, and it would destroy reality just doing that. I think. Yeah, it's locking up Mother Winter is probably bad for a whole bunch of reasons. Other Quite. than you've locked Quite. up Mother Winter, and she's upset now. And this is where Hades is a is a you know a weird one. I think if there was ever a situation in the current universe where he would step on Demon Reach, yes, you could probably lock him up. But I think that that is just a, such an impossibility. It just wouldn't happen. Because because I think again, Hades in the current state of the universe, just stepping foot in the world would be wrong. <laughs> it, it, just, it, it just it just couldn't happen. I think. But maybe maybe I'll be proved wrong. I don't no, know. I think I think I think you're probably right. I think your reasoning on that is wrong. But I think you're right that we we'll never see Hades in the in the real world. Right. There's both of our lists as we as we 
meander leisurely towards the close of this episode. Both of our lists are missing a category of individual, right? Very we've, much so. We've both conspicuously left mortal wizards off of our lists. Where do you think, well, one, who is the most powerful wizard? And where are they on your list? You have a, you, you can go down to 20, you can go down to 50, you can go down to 100. Who are they and where do they come in? No, that's, a, that's an excellent question. Um, I think it's probably not controversial to say that the most powerful wizard currently alive is the Merlin, because that's sort of the definition of the post. I, I think that's right, and I think we have it confirmed through enough of the books. I think there's a few that you could throw around in the same ballpark. Rashid, Cowell, yeah, well, Cowell, Cowell is. Uh, I think Cowell is another sort of fan fanfic theory because he struggles against Dresden. Now, to be fair, I think Harry, given enough age and wisdom, I mean, could could be. Merlin equivalent. Uh, I don't ever see him getting the post, but he could be Merlin equivalent, I think. I mean, you know, he can throw around soul fire. I mean, that's pretty cool. Um, sure. But as it stands, it's it's got to be the Merlin for me, but he's quite far down the list. The, the other, I guess the other mortal quote-unquote wizard we have to talk about here is the Archive Ivy. Not technically a wizard, I suppose, but she is mortal and <laughs> can cast magic. Not that she likes it by her own admission. She prefers, you know, other things. <laughs> but she can Kittens. do it. Kittens, I think. Yeah, well, I mean, who doesn't? <laughs> uh, no, I think that's... I. Yeah, I mean, it becomes really complicated because we're told time and again that knowledge is power. Right, Harry's refrain through the early books in particular is wizards aren't stronger or better than your average mortal, they're just better prepared, which is nonsense because I can't throw fire um, maybe I'm just not trying hard enough, but <laughs> I, Ivy is able to do phenomenal things with the small amounts of power ostensibly available to her, she's phenomenally efficient in her use of of energy, but I just don't know that she can throw enough yeah, it's, raw it's, force to keep up with exactly. the sort of senior council heavy hitters. And, and these are the sort of nuances that we have yet to really understand, right? There's that scene with, with Ebb facing off against Dresden, um, and, and Ebenezer draws in so much power that he actually bends gravity. And that yes. sort of thing seems to come with experience, which, although Ivy obviously has a lot of knowledge, does does she have that sort of innate ability to draw on that much power to use that knowledge? Is, is the big question, I suppose. No, I think that's yeah, that that's the the challenge. But I mean, where are you putting either of them? Well, I, I, I do think haven't we spoken about? I think I think the Merlin that the Merlin would would probably take it over above Ivy. I I don't I don't honestly know because um, for me there's probably quite a few creatures of around Leah's level, eldest Gruff being an obvious example. I mean he's he's quite obviously killed a few senior council members, um, and we don't know if he's 
of Leah's level. We don't really know if he's, you know, say second in side, summer. Side note: oddly violent of a member of the summer court. Well, yeah, but you know, they have their they have their foibles. Don't they? They're still <laughs> he's got they're, 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 they're still fairies. Although they'll kill me for saying it. Um, so, so there's there's a lot of those kind of creatures. Um, and I do think Dracul, seeing that he seems to scare a lot of people, possibly more powerful than the Merlin. The Earl King, I know you're going to hate me for this, but he, you know, he's pretty badass. He is an immortal with a capital I, it seems. He might be up there. And then the real rogue shout, just throwing it out there now, Mouse. <laughs> mouse. Mouse, mouse, mouse. Mouse, who, when unleashed, seems to scare everyone, including Leah, including he Andurial. Scares, you know, he scares Leah. I need to, I need to recheck the Andurial point. I'm, I'm sure you're right, but I don't remember it. Um, this is the, the idea. I think that Andurial, the, the shadow that is Andurial, shies away from an enraged mouse. Yes, pretty much. But to be fair, Andoriel also kind of does that when Shiro enters the room, so Andoriel might just be a bit of a scaredy cat. Andoriel isn't a fighter, of course. Uh, not in the way that uh, Ursiel, for example, is. Uh, but but so... I can understand being, as a fallen angel, being scared of um, Shiro. I mean, he, he wields a sword of the faith. But being scared of Mouse does imply that there is a lot of power hidden away there. I I think you're that's right. I think we just don't know enough about it. What m- most clearly has power. Uh, he seems capable of summoning lightning to wrap around his mane, which is pretty cool. But how, why, in what circumstances? We have that throwaway line um, in changes where he's scaring Leah when everyone's turned into dogs, and and he says something along the lines of. Uh, he didn't choose me, I chose him. Yeah. Which implies some level of... Obviously, Mouse is, is, is smart, but a level of free will and sort of sapience that implies some serious oomph going on there. No, indeed. I, I fully agree. I fully agree. So, so yeah what do, what do you think where where I, I guess another way of maybe looking at this is if if we take some of the major factions and then look at their leaders would we consider the merlin to be superior so this this would be you know your black court elders your red court the you know the lords of the outer night wraith senior maybe even uh, not, well, he... not that we've ever really seen him in his he full is power. untouchable to magic, so he sort of just breaks Arthur Langtree in half. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, yeah, he can throw around a lot of magic, but he's still a 432-year-old man. Or however old he is. So, I don't know. I don't know. I think... I think I'd raise him fairly highly. I think he's probably sitting around about equivalent power as Leah Eldest Gruff, I would say. So I, I'd probably have him quite high. He's probably sitting at number 12, 13 of, of my list. I'd yeah, say. he'd certainly give them a run for their money, although my suspicion is that he would 
you know, cast a pretty decent ward and just get away. <laughs> That's yeah. What does what does victory look like? Well, I guess for yeah. a lot of people in this, it would be surviving. Because we we do have to remember that that you know the Merlin and Rashid cast some immensely powerful defensive magic. Um, so they, they they clearly are pretty competent. Very true. But I think I mean I think that brings us to a a nice pensive close for the it does a bit episode. The conclusion is in a series about wizards. The wizards kind of suck. <laughs> or if I misunderstood our conclusion here. No, I think that's sadly <laughs> where we got to. <laughs> uh, lending, no, there's a lot lending... of scary stuff out in the Dresden verse. I think is a, is a safe way of saying it. I mean, neither of us has a Nagaloshi on their list, and that's uh, at one point one of the scariest things we we encounter. It gives Harry nightmares for years. Uh, we've got no very true. No one, the Red Court didn't make it. Um. The Black Core Elders, you've referred to them, they didn't make it. Bob didn't make the list. Bonnie didn't make the list. Earl Mac, King of course. The... Well, Mac's a vanilla human, didn't make the list. Mac is a vanilla human. Oh, my days. He just had to end on a stupid <laughs> No, but I think, um, yes. Obviously, we see everything through Harry's eyes, and Harry has faced the Nagloshi head-on. Whereas he has not, in fact, faced Uriel head-on, which yeah, I'm I mean, sure you'd have more than nightmares off the, off the back of that. <laughs> Harry hasn't used his sight on Ferravax, right? So it's not quite the exactly the same. But no, I think that brings us to a close. I just wanted to say thank you for listening to our very first episode. We apologise. It was probably shit. Feel free to let us know if it was. <laughs> if it wasn't, that would be even better. Do tell us and do pop along next time. We've got some really stupid stuff to talk about next time. I'll be presenting my case for why Denethor in the Lord of the Rings is absolutely right and should not give up his throne to Aragorn because Aragorn has no legitimate claim to the throne of Gondor. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd forgotten about that. Uh, uh.